How'd you get your nickname? How did I get my nickname? Fucking, I was Mike Money, okay? I met Sly. And we kicked it and stuff because I was hanging out with my buddy before I got really super connected with ADC, man. My friend, my, my sister, Malia Franklin, we lived together. We helped raise our first kids together. And shit like that, you know what I'm saying? So she knew every fucking body, man. Ohio is <laughs> new bird, man. I'm serious. You name it, she knew it. And I got a chance to meet James Brown first. Okay, hanging out with Malia, cause James liked Malia. You feel me? And Malia learned all the insides of James Brown. That's how she met Bootsy and introduced Bootsy to George Clinton. Feel me? Yeah. Now your sister went with George Clinton, Jimmy. You know, it was a whole combination. I was right there with the shit. You know what I'm saying? Still doing my thing. And me and Malia, we wrote songs and shit together. And she just got connected. But she was super fantastic, man. She wanted, I call her the queen of funk, as she's been noted and respected to be known to be the queen of funk. But that's my sister. We actually... Like I say, we lived together. We didn't have no affair. Now that was my sister. You know, I worked for her and her mother. They business. Her daddy was the mayor of Highland Park, Michigan. It was super shit. Anyway, man, uh, through listening to a lot of the cats used to come to the house on LaSalle and Puritan in the basement and rehearse. Ohio players, Newburgh. You know what I'm saying? Mario always was with somebody. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Nathaniel from Cameo at that time, that's Seth's daddy, you understand? So, you know, it was everybody, man. It was the end spot to be for you was the musician, especially of that caliber in Detroit. You came to Mallory and shit, because Mallory knew everybody, such as me now. You come to Vegas, uh, who you going to call? Money stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it go right now, you feel me? So anyway, stepped off and started. She and I was like I say, writing songs, man, and that was that's how Johnny May seen me. Cause something went down with Sly, you know, with all this fucking equipment, you know, all the white PVs and all that shit with the stars on it and shit. That was Money Stone shit. SBK all of a sudden, you feel me? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I was when I had a group, one of the smallest group, because it wasn't but four of us, and I was singing. You dig? And I had the biggest damn sound in Detroit, because I had the fucking equipment. I had PVs, 
with a triple. It was you call it triple stack because it was very tall and it was three fifteen woofers in that some bitch. You feel me? I had like five of them. Then we had a Marshall had just hit the scene. I had them little Marshalls because they wasn't as big as they was, you know, back then. They, they wasn't as big as they are now. You know what I'm saying? And they had the two two speaker cabinets and this was slide stuff. Okay. He was left with us, you know what I mean? So uh Malia started calling me Money Stone. I actually got my tag from Malia Franklin. Because yeah. after meeting fly and getting all the stuff, I had a belt with the star in it, I had the boots, I had all this shit, man. And I was new shit hitting in Detroit with all this shit. <laughs> Woo! And she started calling me Money Stone. From there on, there it was, man. Wow, her influence yeah. is incredible. Oh, man, Malia, man, I, I miss Malia. It's like I miss Belita Woods. Me and Belita Woods, we was with the people, and we wrote a whole lot of shit. George recorded one of my damn songs, too, man. Me and Belita wrote. We wrote this song about the whole. Me and Belita was real tight, you know. You know what I'm saying? That's my girl. That's like damn near soulmate of mine, you feel me? Anyway, man, uh, I got my influence from everybody, though, you feel me? I respected everybody's music. There was no one out there that I didn't like and I didn't feel something from, which what, helped me do me. What was it like hanging around United Sound back in those days? Man, it was really, really, really cool to me because I entered there like with Johnny May and I met, like I say, Mac Rice, Don Davis. Her and Don Davis was real tight too. And so Don heard some things I did and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, man, come on over and shit. And I would come over and get on the piano and come up with shit and say, yeah, I like this. Uh, that might be good for so-and-so and so-and-so. So, you know what I'm saying? So I was there a lot, and I would just come. Sometimes I'd just show up. And from them knowing me, they let me into different rooms, A, B, or C. You feel me? I was all over the joint. And that's why I hung out. I don't know. I just had this thing about recording, man. You know? So I got in on everything. Where I could fit in, I got in. You know? And I got to meet everybody. George and them was doing their thing and stuff. You know, and George called me a fucking pirate. <laughs> he called me Monkey Stone and the AZZ band. Pirates and punk. We did pirate shit. I just came up with my hook, my dude. You know what I'm saying? You know, I wasn't devoid of funk. I was in long to funk. Feel me? So anyway, uh, that's how that shit happened in the United Sound, man. And I met everybody, man. Johnny Taylor, man. Uh, what's them folks' name? <sighs> Damn, I can't remember them people's name. It was a big-ass singing group. And they made the song five, about Five Special? Movie. Oh, yeah, I knew the five special, man. I wrote some songs for them, too, man. You know, Steve, man, yeah, Steve and them, man, yeah. You know, but I, I'm talking about an older group than them. They was at United Sounds, too. Uh, oh, 
Aquarius. Who made that? Oh, song? Fifth Dimension. Fifth Dimension, man. Met them people there, man. Like I say, Johnny Taylor, Rudy Robinson. I learned a lot of. St- Rudy Robinson was one that was like the main keyboard player at United Sound. He did everybody's stuff. Johnny Taylor, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jody got your girl and gone and shit. That's Rudy Robinson, man. You feel me? Uh, just all kinds of people, man. You know what I mean? The dramatics and shit. Rudy, man. And I learned a lot of keyboard shit from Rudy. Like, like, like basic stuff, where to go. Rudy kind of helped me learn how to listen and be me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I could learn the true rudiments or whatever, the placements of things, but he taught me, helped me learn how to be me. Because I displace stuff. I ain't, I can't be just like natural like everybody just, you know, play like the rest of the cats. Just, you know, hell no. I feel something. So I have to let it go. Hey, that's I what will. comes out in all those records. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hey, um, I got my own thing, you know. Money, what what was it like working with um, Bill Curtis and Jerry Thomas from Fatback? Man, I love them cats, man. Bill, man, yeah, Jerry, hell yeah, man. If you guys ever get to see this, man, you know, much love to you guys, man. Y'all really had a hell of an influence on me, you know that. You know, yeah, because me and Jerry, Jerry would sit my ass down at the piano. Both of us sit there and just do shit. You know what I'm saying? That's how when we did that album. That's the way we did that. He would give me something. Sometimes he wouldn't even play. He would tell it to me and let me go. You know what I'm saying? And boom, okay, we're going to record that right there. That's how Jerry would do. Bill be in the control room, but Bill and Jerry, we're going to record that right there. Play that much. No, play that again. Play it again. Play it, you know. And, and they took in it. That's the first time I even got hip to splicing. Remember when cats used to splice this shit, man? All That's razor blades, yeah. All right, okay. We be on that goddamn two inch, man, and he spliced that. But we're going to do this, and you play it, man. That's how I got that. And it gave me more influence on how to do songs in a bigger production. You feel me? And that's when I realized less was more. Because mm-hmm. I want to play like a, I want to be the shit playing, especially after Chick Corea and shit like that, playing the fusion. You know, I was into this fusion type thing, but I knew I had to settle down to create what I had to do because I wasn't as good as them. But I learned some shit, and I was sticking in my shit. You feel me? <laughs> so that kind of influenced me like that. Man. Some people might not realize, but Jerry Thomas was Jimmy Castor Bunch and Fatback. I mean, pretty impressive. Jerry Thomas, baby. Jimmy Castor Bunch, yes, sir. Yes, sir, and Fatback, you know? See, Curtis was the drummer. And like all uh, uh, songwriters, man, you always got to have a basics. When I say basics, you got to have a foundation up under you when you write the songs. And all of us, like myself, man, I tend to, I go from a damn drum beat before any damn thing. That targets me to where I'm going with the song. You see, I learned that from them, from Jerry especially. Like I say, man, they'll sit there and he put me in place. So I was being, I was being Jerry. I was just being doing me through my musicianship, but out of his mind. You know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. That was, man, that really put me on base on a lot of shit, man. It gave me a real foundation on how to put songs together, too. You know? Because I could write a song and say, you could say something and I'll write a damn song from what you say. You know what I'm saying? But it showed me how to put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. You know? I'll tell you who else, man. Mac Rice. Old man Mac Rice was around all the damn time. Man. He come to Johnny Mays because I stay in the basement on my keyboard with the motherfucking two-track or the four-track cassette. You know what I'm saying? Doing shit all day and night. You know what I'm saying? And Mac come over. What is that you doing, boy? You should do this. You should. Him and Johnny Mays. She hear me would come up with something new. She down them steps in that basement. <laughs> you know, and it was wonderful, man. I just really. What, really what was her What was her personality like? Man, she was extremely outgoing. Extremely. Uh, damn, Brian. I don't know if you're familiar with this cat, Brian Timms. He worked with Roger and that stuff too, man. Zap and stuff. He do that talk box thing anyway. That was him. Look, Johnny May was very, very outgoing, outspoken, and up front. Uh, the studio I'm in is background you checking out. That's where we're recording at right now. We're doing a number of projects here, man. Myself, Larry Blackman, and the Cameo Nation organization. You know, we got projects coming out there. Gonna be cold banging. So keep your eyes and your ears open, man. We finna flood your ass with the bomb shit. You know what I'm saying? We're going to knock y'all out with this shit. Believe that. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> but anyway, Bring it on, man. Bring it on. Yeah, man. I, You know, I got some stuff. You know, I'm always doing some solo projects, too. But I got a thing out. Listen, I got a song out right now on this chick named Avis Ellis. And the song is called Isolated. Check it out. Go to YouTube. Pull it up. Got a song and a video. You did. Check it out. And you see what my, I'm just telling you how to uh, get in touch with some of my work. You know what I'm saying? So you get an idea where I'm at. I also got some stuff coming out on myself. I'm connected with this cat, Lonnie Green, who was P-Funk's drummer, calling Count Funky. We got some stuff out too, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm like, got my hands in a bunch of, in a pot with a whole lot of vegetables in it. You feel me? <laughs> You had a single out last year, too, I saw. It was more of a mellow type thing. Yeah. Uh, that single was called uh, If You Want to Get Down With Me. It was kind of mellow to start, but if you listen to the whole song, check it out. I go into a rock and roll phase on it. You did? You know? Oh, no. You were talking about Now That We're Alone. Yeah. It was a slow, mellow year. Yeah. Oh, that was a bomb, wasn't it, man? Yeah, I showed off on that. Yeah, that was <laughs> a different side, different side of Money Stone on that one. Yeah, man, it was Neo Soul, my Neo Soul rendition. You feel me? Right. Yeah, yeah, cause that's right. Uh, the other one I mentioned, it ain't out yet. But see, if you can hear in my background, uh, that's called My Girl. Uh, I'll send it to you, man. I'm just finishing mastering and everything on this. I'm liking the lyrics it. Lyrics is not on it, huh? I like it already. You like it already? Yeah. Yeah, man. 
It's banging. It's new. It's today too. You feel me? So you can get an idea of the perspective of Money Stone today. Because it's like Uncle Stone's army, baby. And I want everybody to join up with me. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm marching for the right to flunk, skunk, or whatever you want to do. However y'all want to put it down, I'm with you. I need you to be with me. Uncle Stone wants you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, man, people still need the funk. You better believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I got some funk stuff coming out, too, man. Like I say, with Count Funky, I got some funky stuff with myself. We got some new cameo stuff fishing to hit the deck, man. Gonna be tremendous. What's it like working yeah. with Larry? Man, it's a dream, man. That's my guy, man. I'm his guy, too. You feel me? I don't know. God knew what he was doing because God don't make no mistakes. And he put us together. You know what I'm saying? And it's been wonderful, man. It's been magnificently wonderful as a rule. You feel me? Is there is there one show from back in the day that stands out to you that you'll never forget? Yeah. It was one show in particular at the Virginia State Coliseum. And Cameo was on that show. Uh, who was headlining? I'm trying to think who was headlining. Somebody had a massive hit. Cameo was on the show. Mother Silence was on the show. Think of who in the hell was the headliner? I can't remember. Damn, I can't remember. That's weird. I can remember everybody else. But it was a fantastic show. I showed my ass too, then, you know, because I used to do the wardrobe for us, you know. And, you know, we was we was kind of avant-garde. We was like LaBelle. Remember LaBelle? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we was kind of like LaBelle. But we was funk. You know, see, this the whole thing about ADC, man. We was a show band. Because our whole thing stemmed from that Chipman circuit. So we had to put on show. We had to capture people with more than the music. You feel me? Mm -hmm. So we had to put on a show. And we was we stuck to our guns on that. You feel know I me? Mean? But we had, what, what made us hot on stage was we moved in different excerpts. I had the band, because I was a band leader. I had, I mean, well, Kubrick Khan was the band leader. He's the drummer, but I was the director. So I had a moving. I could never stay the same. I could never stay with one thing. I had to move things around. You feel me? You know, I had to be outgoing. You know, and and and, and I, you know, I had to be like, uh, I was like Hannibal. I had to kill, you know, conquer everybody and everything. You feel me? So that was our approach. You know, when we hit, we was fucking fierce, man. Yeah. And everybody in the business respected us for that. That was really cool. We didn't get all the extra hit records, but we got notoriety, especially after we hit that damn stage. You know leave, what I'm saying? Leave no, no body unfunked. Hmm. Yeah, what? Say, leave nobody unfunked, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what you say, Scott? You said some shit that time, boy. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, man. Yeah, I got Good a show, few man. too. Um, and I was at a lot of those shows, so I gave it up, you know. But what what particular uh, in particular about that show though stands out in your mind? It was just everybody's performance was so hell of a, 
No, I don't care from look from the opening. Who I forgot who opened actually. Well, from the opening act to the fucking headlines, every act got great esteem. You know what I'm saying? That man, when when you got done, as the audience, man, listen, we talking. I think sixty something thousand fucking people, man. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's in the Virginia State Arena, man. It's a super joint. You feel me? And it was packed. That's another thing stood out, see. You know, and man, and every every act, man, it was just, when you done, they was roaring. Till the next one got set up and they moved all the other shit so the other act run, you know. They was like they was still killing it, you know. That's I'll never forget that, man, you know. Then I've had some stuff though on the chipping circuit, man. Like in Alabama, dude. We did uh Montgomery. No, that was Birmingham. We did a joint in Birmingham, held about twelve hundred people. Uh nightclub. That's the name of that damn joint. Man. That that was you talking about the show. That was right after the stroke came out and, and really hit, you know what I'm saying? That's before we really got this concert connection with uh 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 Al Heyman and them and shit like that and Quentin Perry and shit, you know what I'm saying? We knew them cats, but they wasn't putting us on nobody's card right then, cause the shit wasn't banging. But the shit banged all of a sudden, and we was doing them joints like I say, twelve hundred. Man, this nightclub in Birmingham. I think it's closed now, but I can't remember the name. Was it the Fox or some shit? It held twelve hundred people, and these people out in the parking lot was jamming more than the people in the fucking building. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was the shit, man. That was very exciting too. We had super, super hell of a following up and down I seventy five from fucking Michigan on down to Florida. We was killing it. Feel me? Then we headed out west and we did man look <coughs> we played Omaha, Nebraska and shit, man. <laughs> we was doing the what that damn army shit is is it NSO? Uh, is that the what they call it? NSO shit. You know, right after the record hit, them the gigs we was getting, you know, three, four thousand people and shit. We was doing them concerts outside. We opened up for Tommy Wynette. <laughs> wow. Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> yeah, we opened up. And she loved us. Kept us on about three more gigs, man. You know, because we was, I'm telling you, our, our live show was just, you know, you love the Funkadelic and shit. They had to look. We had the look and the movement. You know what I'm saying? We was all everybody was man, it was I and I made it a point for everybody when we was on stage, all of y'all are the star. You feel me? Even though I was doing all the leads and all that kind of shit. I needed everybody to act like they was in their own fucking world and they was the superstar. You feel me? And it helped because it made us exciting live, you know. I, and it kept us working. I've heard that Midnight Star kind of brought it like that too back when they first came out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you guys disapp yeah. were you guys disappointed that um nothing else hit like Longstroke did? I was. Yes, absolutely. Because we had some good shit. We had some shit that if they got behind it, it would have fucking hit too. It would have been bigger than fucking Longstroke. Longstroke opened the door. All we needed for the company to do was get the fuck behind us like they do. 
for certain artists and shit. You feel me? Mm-hmm. If they'd have banged the second one, well, it'd been hot, man. It just, you know, it would have burst, but they didn't. Do you think uh, they were were they know. were they preoccupied with like slave and uh, mass production when they hit with firecracker and those guys? I think so. I, I think so. And uh, if you notice, those guys didn't have follow-ups either. I think the company, that section of Atlantic, was just fucking really for a write-off. And and through that uh, through that situation, they obtained some cats who got a couple of hits. You feel me? Like us, slave mass production. You feel me? You know, they do the one hit and get their money back and shit and make some money. And then, you know, move you through the mills. You feel me? You know, let you rest and all that kind of shit. Unless you get a mega shit. But you can, all these mass production, man, brass construction, everybody had potential to have massive fucking hits. But the company, the company just... I'm so glad it's got independent shit now, man. So, excuse my language, so you can say fuck them big boys and become a big boy yourself. You know what I'm saying? Well, disco disco hurt too when, you know. Disco fucked us up. Yeah. You, you notice we even had out some shit like disco, what was disco funk or some shit we had. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and it just didn't roll, man. Live bands couldn't do no damn disco. And that's how long did disco last? A year and a half, two years? Shit. But it fucked up the live shit. You know? Yeah, it derailed the funk bands. It was a damn shame. Dude. And at that time when that shit happened, man, it was cat okay, I'll tell you one in particular who really worked all the way through that. They never touched that shit. Frankie Beverly and Maze. Mm. Mm-hmm. They never knocked down on live shows. I cannot come up with one fucking time or one period of time where they wasn't hit. Even without hit records, they were smashing them, yeah. filling them up. You know what I'm saying? And Earth, Wind, and Fire. Well, and your you your know. your buddy Larry Blackman too. I mean, Cameo wrote through that. Yeah, Cameo, especially Cameo, hit the bomb. And kept exploding forever and ever, still exploding today. I am so thankful that I'm a member of Cameo Nation and I'm connected with Larry Blackman, my brother. Love you much, G. And you always know this. You know what I'm saying? Because he, look, he like, don't stop, man. You know, he, he, he drop it in that pot and he don't stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like Larry Blackman always going to get black at you. You feel me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did, did you also work with Stone City Band? That's right, man. Nine fucking years, G. Nine years, Stone City Band, man. Wow. Fellas! Yeah. Yeah, with Landis and them, man, you know, everybody, man. Fuck yeah, I work with them, man. You know, you went through a lot of different people, man. You know, I was there with Alan McCreer, too. You know, it was, man, it was wonderful. Billy Nunn, man. I still, man, I still fuck with Billy Nunn, man. Billy Nunn right here in Vegas. Levi, too, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Was your story, you know, your story about Canada and the draft made me think a little bit about Rick James back then, too. He was 
in Canada. And, same same shit, man. Yeah. Same shit. And we was, hey, listen, when I, you know, when we hit Rick James and I, we were rivals. You feel me? I'm wearing dreads and he wearing what he was, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but we were rivals. You know what I'm saying? I had an incident with Rick in Saginaw, Michigan, and the coach for kids, when I was telling you about with uh, uh, Earth, Wind, and shit, P-Funk, Rick James, us, the emotions, it was a Betty Wright. Man, like I said, it was about 11 acts on the fucking show. Joe Simon, you know what I'm saying? Man, and uh, me and Rick had some shit. But then, you know, later on, after I went through all my different perils, all my ups and downs, and almost defeat for well, I've never been defeated because I fucking refuse to lose, you dig? It, it just ain't gonna fucking happen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I finally met him before he left here. And uh, what it was, man, Levi Ruffins actually hired me, you know. Uh, I had met Billy. And anyway, some cats was here uh, in Vegas when I first got here. It was 2002 and three and shit. And uh, Billy knew who I was and shit. We became friends, you know. And then he introduced me to Levi, and they were preparing for a show. And I knew some cats. My my partner at the time, Lonnie Motley, he a P-Funk alumni. He, he didn't play with P-Funk, but he did stuff for George and shit anyway. Uh, they hired us. I was one of the keyboard players. And Lonnie was playing bass. And we had this cat, Byron Bardot, who was going to be Rick James, play guitar. He's fantastic, man. Anyway, Lannis and them hired us, you know. I ended up staying with them cats, man, for nine years, man. It was wonderful, too. We did a lot of funk concerts and stuff. You know, they been, man, they, they my brothers, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I, I want y'all to forgive me for not mentioning you guys uh, up earlier, man. I love you guys, man. You know, I was, was going to let that slip through. Remember that shit, huh? Yeah, I was going to let that slip through. Got to give the Stone City Band some love. Got to give them, man. Like I say, SB, you know, Stone City Band for life. Y'all know this, man. How, how was it playing those Rick James tracks? Were they uh, challenging in any way or just fun or what? They were... Big fun. They were challenging at first because, as, as if you know, with all the guys, man, you want to be on the on target and exact or as close to exact as you can be. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody got to recognize the shit, right? So you got to stay informed. So I had to be very. Ta they used to get on me all the time because I could go. You know what I'm saying? And the money stone calm that shit down. <laughs> Stop playing all the notes and this and that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it helped me learn how to stay in the pocket, man, and, and play the damn song. So play your parts. So they really drilled me on play your parts. So it, it was challenging, and then it became really easy and, and great to do because, especially when we did them live shows, man, you see the artists, man, I don't know. Rick put some. Rick put some on their ass, man. Every audience we hit, man, it was cold blooded. Fantastic, you know. Well, that's one of the songs too, cold blooded. 
Yeah, man, that's another song. I love playing that. Do 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 bang don't go shot That's like I say, that syncopated thing, man. You know what I'm saying? And let's face it, man. Rick, Levi Ruffins and Billy Nunn, them super writers, man. Them cats could write some hell of the shit. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanna call it punk funk, but I just call it funk, man. It was funky just like anybody else, like even like Prince, man. I remember Prince used to come around, dude. I used to see, used to see Prince at different shows and shit, like P-Funk and different shit, walking his ass around, you know what I'm saying, and taking notes, man. Prince was very astute and very smart. I give him to you. He's like they say, he's a fucking genius. And he came up with that thing he came up with. But it's all funk music. Even though, you know, they say it's the Minneapolis thing. Sure it was. I mean, because that's where it came from. That's how you want to name it. It still was funky. It's like uh, James Brown always said. What, whatsoever we do, it's got to be funky. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got some stuff coming out, like I say, with this cat man, Lonnie Green. Lonnie Chipstar Green. Count Funkula. You know, he wrote songs like, uh, Oh, she only was a quick A. He wrote oh, that man. stuff, you know what I'm saying? Love that one, yeah. Yeah, man. He did some tones, man. He did some shit, man. He's a funky cat. He's a drummer, but he played guitar, man. He played guitar to me like Eddie Hazel, man. He's a fucking drummer. Wow. Check us out, Count Funky Look. But the main thing... Is keep your eye on Cameo Nation, man. Everything we doing. Remember, pick up that song for me, "Isolated" by Avis Ellis, produced and co-written by Money Stone. Yours truly. Definitely go out. Coming out. Go yeah, out and get that. Stuff, though, gonna, gonna knock your socks off for real, man. I just ain't gonna. I'm gonna tell you the secret after we cut off, cause I don't want to be the blabbermouth. <laughs> I'll tell you the secret, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to that. I want to uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up, uh, Money. Okay. So uh, how All can right. people keep in touch with what you're doing and follow you? Okay. You can follow me on Facebook a uh, number of ways. I didn't know I had all these damn pages till now. It's one, Michael Judkins. Okay. Then you've got uh, Michael Moneystone Judkins. And you have my music page, which is Moneystone, one word, okay? And you can get me at moneystonemusic at gmail.com. Uh, be looking out on, you know, Facebook, uh, Spotify, all that mess. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be putting some things up there, but uh, especially get with this Cameo Nation experience, man. We got some artists going to knock your socks off. When we slap you upside the head with this, you're going to poop out the funk, baby. For real. <laughs> you getting everybody excited now. Um, one yeah, last man. question before I let you go, and that is, um, yeah, what are you most proud of in your music career? That has yet to be determined. Because I ain't done yet, man. I'm just getting started, baby. Uh, hey, okay. Money Stone, man, thank you so much for the stories. It's been a great time talking to you and hearing about all that funk and music history. Yeah, Wish man. you much continued success and can't wait to hear the new stuff. Thank you so much, uh, Scott. And yes, you will be hearing the new stuff. And I really do appreciate you for taking the time out in your busy day, in your busy time to uh, allow me to 
spit a little something at you. You know what I'm saying, man? Love you much, my brother. 100, baby. Hey, took you know? good care. Continue to be safe, man. For sure, man, without a doubt. Peace.